you're all ready to beat the minnows to the north, but you can't quite get it done. It's That's So MLS, <laughs> the North American Soccer Podcast. With me, as always, is Andrew Bates. Andrew, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I feel that Canadian fans, and, and I don't want to... Uh... I don't want to poke fun, and I don't want to make kick anyone when they're down. But I feel like Canadian fans and American fans are finally in agree on one th- agreement on one thing. And what's that thing? The U.S. Men's, na- the US men's National Team is not doing well. No. <laughs> and we may not agree why, but we can certainly agree that that is the case. My right, this is goodness, a, what a week for Canadian soccer. This is a North American soccer podcast, and, and while we usually talk more about the club stuff... My eyes were certainly on the Nations League. Uh, it was called Leg One, but in, in one of the videos I saw, but it was it's a it's a group stage game in the Nations League between Canada and the United States that was played at BMO Field. Yeah, and I mean this was one of the uh, as many of our listeners probably know. I'm often a little bit behind the times on the national team stuff and sort of scrambling at the last minute, and it was the case again this week which I'm claiming some minor responsibility for the win for Canada here because I thought it was going to be the following day. So I was already, (laughs) I was actually tuning into Twitter to sort of see what people's predictions were and get some news and actually ended up seeing the highlights of the fact that we had won, which I was ecstatic about. I wasn't at all mad that I missed it. I was like, hey, well, there you go. I did my part and missed the game. And we pull off a 2 nothing victory and beat the United States for the first time since 1985. I think that the... I think one thing I didn't rec- realize before, both, I think both the supporters of both teams were kind of down on the Nations League yeah. and weren't really thinking about how important this game has been in the past because the teams have only played twice in, in seven years. Yeah. But when I first started following soccer, this was the big game. Mm-hmm. This was this was this was a game that I was always interested in and was always up for, but for whatever reason, it Canada has just played the the Hondurases of the world more often. Yeah. In in the last little while, but so I wasn't. I was thinking like, well, if the timing lines up, maybe I'll put it on while I'm cooking. But then the moment I put it on, I was like, locked in with the idea that that something special could maybe happen. But I was still afraid. And, in, in, and it's that fear that I felt through the entire thing, <laughs> even in, even as you know they finished they finished the half without a goal despite lots of pressure. And I think, oh my God, they're going to come back and they're going to be complete. They're going to come out at halftime and the Americans are going to be completely different. They weren't. Uh, Davy scores, and I still spend that last half hour of the game thinking, we're going to find some way to screw this up. And yet, at the end of the game. It is Canada that scores to, to, to put it away. I think that this was a great, for as much as I'd seen people make fun of, of John Herdman's, the coach's uh, comments saying, you know, when he's being asked about tactics, he says that he's, that he's actually looking for passion and for players to try hard. And I've seen people saying, saw people before the game saying, that doesn't sound like he knows what he's doing. Evidently, he did. Yeah, and I mean, I I definitely want to talk about the commentary and the sort of reactions from both Canadian and uh, American fans because I I think it matters. It's funny, as I'm making this comment, I just uh, open up Twitter and I see uh, a tweet here from Mark Anthony Kay, which I'm just going to read for you. 
The amount of disrespect the Canadian national team is getting for doing what you're supposed to do, which is win, is crazy. Some of these pundits and their comments are terrible and undermine all the hard work that has been done by all the staff and players of Canada. Which I think pretty neatly summarizes things and, and some of the criticism of Herdman. And certainly you and I have made some of those criticisms as well uh, when he, during his tenure with the Canadian women's national team. That he doesn't always seem to tactically have a lot of things figured out. But this is a part of the game that people often overlook that is the team part and the passion part. That it actually does matter. And a team that is on paper not as good as another team can beat them. And I'd argue right now that even on paper, you have a Canadian side that statistically is certainly higher performing than the United States side. This is the one this is the one where I kind of like I'm trying to pump the brakes a little bit because I I always really of course respect our friends, the American fans and the, our American listeners for the majority of the national team. Um, <laughs> you mean the but... majority of our fan base? <laughs> Yes, Hello. of course. <laughs> just if I'm they're just tuning in. <laughs> we love you. I don't want to, I don't, I, I, we still have a lot of the ways to go to get to both where the program is gone. Very much so. And even where it is right now. Yeah. I think that, that it's correctly being diagnosed as, um, it's correctly being diagnosed as, is like a, a failure of the Americans to show up with the same amount of passion that the Canadians did to that game. Yeah. Which could be rectified. The there's there are some people that are that are, you know, searching right now for some Canadians that are searching any Americans that say that Canada has a worse team than the United States to to what? There's to tee no, off on them. There's no chip on our shoulder. <laughs> there's no inferiority complex in this nation. What are you talking about? It is not outlandish to say that Canada has on paper and I know you're saying statistically the performances have been better, and I think that that, that Canada's performances have been decent. It's true. Yeah, and, and that's all I'm saying. Like, it's a it's a it's a team with good form or medium form coming up against a team with terrible form. Yeah, and and I think, but I think that we were able to to maximize the positives and I uh, in the negatives in terms of um, one of the. I would say that the the back line was not our strength, but Derek Cornelius looked great out there, the Whitecaps center back. Yeah. Um, and and ultimately, I think that that things were, uh, they they neutralized Michael Bradley on his home park. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, as in all things, and as I would have said. When the Americans got eliminated, no, I guess we probably might have mentioned that on this. We we might have been around at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we. Uh, but when the Americans got eliminated, it's like obviously it's better for Canadians, and it's we we don't want you guys to be to we we don't want you guys to suck. Yeah, but it's like this is well, we a want to beat you. <laughs> we do want to beat you. It's true, and 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 I don't. And so I definitely don't want to kick anybody when they're down. But it's like I, these matches meant a lot to me. When you go back as far as like the 2007 Gold Cup final, well, and let, um, or, or sorry, semifinal, absolutely. And let's let's be fair and talk about that as well. Is that on the other side too? I think it's important to say that it can be both. Tr- Two things can be simultaneously true, that the Americans underestimated the Canadians in this game. The Canadians totally dominated midfield, um, and 
have a much better squad than anybody was giving us credit for, and have Canada still have a long ways to go to developing consistent world-class performances that are going to make us a truly competitive national team. But it seems like we're on the right track. I would yes. also argue the same is still true of the United States. And I know that's a like controversial take right now because of their poor form. But I think the hiring of Greg Berhalter was the right choice. I know that they've taken a lot of heat for being obsessed with this MLS pipeline and apparently only wanting to play players who are playing in MLS, which... I think there's some fairness to that criticism, but it's not like they're not playing players in other leagues. And I think it, it's... There were it's, more Canadian MLS players than the American MLS, yeah. MLS players on that, uh, on that pitch. And truly, it's one of those things as well, that especially when it comes to national teams in soccer, people want to place the blame somewhere, and it doesn't always land in the right place. And sometimes another team wins, you know? Like, we've seen this happen to the best national teams in the world, where they unexpectedly collapse and have a really bad run of form and all of a sudden the world is on fire. So I think it's it's fair to say that there's some totally accurate criticism being leveled at the, the U.S. men's national team, but I don't think they're as far off track as people are making out. Um, but I, th I think that this is probably a really good wake-up call and reality check that while they have improved in many ways and a lot of the development stuff and the systems have improved in the United States that they are still underestimating some opponents who have also improved and we say that about MLS clubs all the time where clubs that are only looking to improve over where they were at previously really struggle but clubs who look at what's going on in the overall soccer landscape and look to improve not just themselves but like looking to improve over and above the level that other teams are setting uh, tend to do better. And that's where you start to see teams like Team Canada that's playing above their levels, which I think this is a game where you have that, that when everything connects with a, a little bit of luck and also just some raw talent, we can put on a really great performance and win this one. But like I said, it's not like this was an easy victory by any stretch. And no. it, it was a long time coming. We haven't played them in a long time, so we don't have a lot of history. So I don't want to overstate Canada's success here or their it's potential. A, but I also don't want to... It's a... Like, I don't want to undersell where the Americans are at, which I actually don't think is in all that of a dire place. I agree on both, on both uh, counts. You mentioned Berhalter, and a lot of people are now saying, oh, well, he's... He was a nep he was a nepotistic hire that was only hired because his brother worked at the team or whatever else or works in the in management. At the time, it was a good shout yeah, to hire him. Totally. He had been he had been he had won playoff uh, MLS playoff games in three or four years, including a run to the MLS Cup. It didn't seem like an outlandish thing at the time, but there is kind of this tendency to think, you know, I'm a I'm a sad man. Write whatever you want about me. <laughs> right like 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 just like just to be in this sort of you know despair situation yeah um and for canada i as good as i felt and i felt really good i'm not used to soccer making me feel good on a tuesday <laughs> um i felt really good but i would say that it's hyperbole to say that it's the most important result for canada oh, yeah. in their history or whatever else because canada has won the Concacaf championship on two occasions and gone to the world cup and this was not a cup competition, and, and even though it puts us in 
weird, the wacky CONCACAF lottery for the Hex. It is not, it's nice. It's not historic. No, it, it, yes, that's very, very fair to say. It's, it's a really nice, great feeling, and it's a positive sign, and my expectations have not been raised at all. I fully expect that we're going to have some tough performances ahead of us, and uh, I hope that this can continue. I hope the passion and the drive is there, but a team can't coast on that alone um, because that mentality is going to take a hit. It is a very young squad for the most part. There's going to be mistakes made that cost us, and there's going to be other teams that are also just more prepared. And I think that's the thing where I see the criticism, mainly on Twitter, so take it for what it's worth, but at the U.S. men's national team, is that the the criticism that's being leveled at them is also sort of like, well, but if you're just looking at the U.S., then you're going to see all the cracks and all the flaws. Um but you're forgetting about the other teams, which is maybe where Canadian fans get the chip on their shoulder saying, oh, we're not being respected. But it's like, you have to factor in other teams are also improving. And we've had this conversation about MLS sides where it's like, it's not like just your club and the one you follow is trying to win and making improvements. Other squads are doing that too, and they're watching each other. So there's a certain element of it that you really can't control. You're doing the best you can behind closed doors to prepare and get the right players and sometimes another team does it better than you and it doesn't mean that they're a better team it just means that they were more prepared or they had more passion on the day whatever it was and they beat you it doesn't mean that the wheels have come off the cart and you need to change everything in fact i feel i feel like that's a sort of foolish response in the circumstances Speaking of uh, MLS team that has had to attempt to continue improving while the rest of the league catches up. <laughs> In a scant 20 hours, the MLS playoffs begin. The international break is over, um, and it is time to, to really crack into this, this wacky, wild, single elimination playoff format. There's going to be four games in one day on Saturday. They're all going to be – it's going to be two. It's going to be – 2 p.m. Atlantic to 2 p.m. Atlantic to 1 p.m. Uh, at, to 1 a.m. Atlantic. Yeah. Just just 11 hours of football of and, and, and it'll be in but at the at the beginning of that time Atlanta will face New England as the first as the as the first up and in Atlanta Ooh. are a team that come in as the league champions that have attempted to. Um, not just improve, but also replace mm-hmm. in the last year. Uh, and they are coming into a playoff bracket that is is strange in that I think in both conferences, you see the po- potential for teams to possibly get knocked out if they are not taking things too serious, seriously enough or, or teams that have vulnerabilities. Um, but Atlanta does enter an Eastern Conference where they stand as good of a chance as anybody, mm-hmm. um, including New York City, the conference champions, of uh, of advancing to MLS Cup. Yeah. Uh, that, I think I think maybe I said this the last time. <laughs> I can't really remember. It feels like forever ago. But I, I feel like this is kind of the exciting first round game to watch, where uh, there's definitely the expected winner and the underdog and yet i still feel like this is kind of like a flip a coin one where talking about teams that could play above their levels new england has done stranger things this season um that's true 
recent results, a, you know, we'll see. But They have a very good manager. Um, this is maybe where, maybe this, do you think that we're going to look at this at the end of it and, and, and have a renewed um, importance on managers and the, and, and throughout the playoffs and, and the ability to create sort of one-off strategies that are successful or not? Um, yes and no. I, f- I feel like we already do to some degree. Um, mm. I think at this point, anybody who thinks that Bruce Arena has not reestablished himself as a, a titan of uh, American soccer is completely out to lunch. Um, well, clearly, he still understands the game and compete can compete at a very high level. Um, if that's going to be enough, I'm not sure, but I don't think it changes what the impact of what he's been able to do in such a short time with this team, even if they do get knocked out in this first round. Um, I would like to at least see a game where New England really competes, and I expect that Arena's going to have a strong game plan. But of course, things just only get more interesting if they do go through, because all of the teams that are in the playoffs have kind of, outside of LAFC had this run where there's been times where they've really not been very good. And it's going to be really interesting to see how things shape out. Shape up? Um, do you have a do you have a player in this game that you are uh you're excited to you're excited for, you're excited to look at? Um well, I think uh Carl's Heel won the best newcomer of the year this year, I think. Yeah. This week. And I feel like he has been consistently, um, a lot of MLS pundits have, have long been lauding him this season, but he's still sort of somewhat flown under the radar. And I think he's been as effective of a midfielder, if not more so than anybody on Atlanta's side. I I feel like if there's going to be a touch of magic, it, it could just come from him. But New England has been operating well as a unit, and that's what's made them really successful. Yes, there's been some incredible... Um, play from um from boo as well but um it it, it could go yeah it'll, i don't know I, I think that do you have do you do you want to do predictions sure why not i like being wrong what are you what are you saying <laughs> I, I love being wrong um i think atlanta's gonna win this one two one i'm gonna go two nothing okay all right I think that I think that's fair. I think that's fair, and I would so love to be wrong about this. Um, my heart and my underdog spirit wants to say that New England wins this, wins this one like six nothing. But uh, yeah, I, I do feel like Atlanta's overall been a more consistent side and is probably going to win this one. But all credit to New England for even getting there after their start. I don't think it takes that... anything off of New England's achievement at all if they they get knocked out. Uh, the next game in our uh, in our gauntlet of of, of joy and peril <laughs> is is Seattle and FC Dallas mm-hmm. playing at CenturyLink Field. Um, the season series here has been Dallas won two one in June, and then Seattle was zero zero in September. Yeah, or there was a zero zero draw in September. Um, what do you? How do you see this playing out? Dallas has been very inconsistent so i feel like it's hard to predict i do too and for that matter i feel like seattle has been fairly hard to predict um it'll be interesting to see as well i mean jordan morris will be back with his club uh after 
his national team loss. So it'll be interesting to see how that affects his drive and his mentality. I think he's at the right age where he'll be able to use that as motivation to really create some magic on the field. Dallas has been really inconsistent, but their most recent run of form has been pretty good. So maybe the time off will have helped them. I don't know about you, but I still feel like Seattle has, um, although they're unpredictable, they've done it many times in the playoffs before, and I feel like overall they're the stronger squad. And especially attacking-wise, I think they're going to create more chances, which gives them a better shot of overturning Dallas. Um, But I certainly don't see it as a a game that's going to be easy. I feel like this is also going to be one of the ones where we might see some cards. A tough shout in this game is that um, for Dallas, attacking-wise, when you try to compare the two front lines, is that Dallas is going to be missing Christian Coleman with a cast strain and Dominic Baji with a quad strain, mm. says MLSsoccer.com. Mm-hmm. Out, they say. Not not questionable. Out. Yeah, that's... I mean, Baji may be a little bit less so. I can't say... I don't think he's had a massive impact for Dallas this season, but... Um, You've got to feel like a, a healthy, fit Sounders side. I don't think they're missing anyone, are they? Um, you you got to think that... Will Bruin. Right, right, of course. Will Bruin's out um, with his season-ending injury. Um, but you got to feel like Seattle is the favorite here, no? I think... Hmm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say... I'm going to actually make a... a if, it sounds like you're picking Seattle. Do you have a scoreline? Um, I'm going to say this one is going to be 3-1. Then I'm going to... As much as I was just saying that the attack is not necessarily there, I look at the, the goal leaders, and, and neither of those players... Baji is only on six, and Ferreira and Andrasic have eight and seven between them. Mm. I am going to say Dallas on penalties. Ooh, Interesting. That's going to be my let's 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 get spicy here in round one. Okay, I like it. I don't think that's an an but, insane prediction at all. So because as as much as as much as I agree with you on most counts that Seattle will have a, a little bit more going and and have a little bit more ability to create chances, um, the other side of Dallas's inconsistency has been because we have seen Dallas a Dallas side that we thought was struggling completely shut sides down. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have been able to do that to Seattle so far in the season. So that's fair. I could Good see, point. I could see it going on a nice edge. Yeah. I agree. Next, next, next. We, we've got Toronto FC back, uh, back at BMO where we, the podcast returns here to BMO field. Um, and so do TFC for another playoff campaign where they host DC United. Mm hmm. I'm excited for this one, too. I think this is a really good matchup of two teams that with fairly similar profiles and playing styles, and one that if, I mean, if we're going to pick one that's almost too tight to call, I feel like it's this one. Um, Mm -hmm. Both teams have, I think, struggled in the same ways. Both teams also have looked like championship sides at various points this season, um, I think it, a lot of it does depend on the stars, right? Is who's going to be fit and healthy and, and what are they going to be able to contribute? Um, 
either team, both teams are going to need the whole team to do it. But a big question for Mark for me is going to be what what kind of Wayne Rooney and what kind of Josie Altador are we going to get? It's interesting. Uh, it's interesting because if you look at the goals, right, and Rooney's got 11, Altidore's got 11, and Pozuelo's got 12. Mm-hmm. So it's like, like, like TFC has two of those players, but one of them has, is in sort of a, a negative injury situation. We mm-hmm. have seen Altidore, uh, we've seen Altidore do great in the playoffs before despite an injury. It's like one of the, the, the biggest parts of his legend totally. now, I feel. And these two teams, um, all the, the past five meetings that they've had with each other have all been pretty tight games. Um, they've either been draws or there's been one uh, back in October of last year. DC just slightly edged Toronto one nothing. So if there's a game that could go to penalties, it could be this one. I think that this is... There's nothing left to lose for Rooney. Like this is yeah. This is this is your time where people your your time is almost up. So you Rooney really really has to to put his stamp on what he wants that last what he wants his his final days with the team to look like. Totally. And if and if he brings um, that intensity like he has in some MLS games, I I think that DC has maybe the advantage here, but as you mentioned with Pozuelo, I, there is another ge- just game-changing player who I would say has brought more of that game-changing intensity this season. The one th- the one issue with penalties where you bring up is I hope that Toronto considers practicing for them. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. After they've had such a, a, a rough time, uh, a rough time with that earlier. Um, earlier in the season in the Canadian Championship against Montreal. Yeah. Uh, do you have a prediction, numbers-wise? Mm. Uh, this one truly is really, really... This might be the closest matchup for me. I'm going to say Toronto just edges DC. Um, let's call it one nothing. Toronto. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to predict it to be slightly more chaotic. I'm going to go Toronto 3, DC United 2. All right. That could happen. Hey, both teams have coughed up goals this season, so that's a (laughs) fair prediction. I feel like what could happen, though, is we have a truly MLS result where they kind of cancel each other out and it's so chaotic that there's just not a lot of goals and it's like a Pozuelo hit or some defender that we haven't even heard of on Toronto gets a header in. That's fine. I think that that definitely could happen. <laughs> and maybe it might be too early for, for super, for super Josie. Yeah. It may be too early in the, in, to, to, to count on that, which if we're saying that kind of is a negative on DC United, because there really is no early anymore. Mm-hmm. It's, it's you winning or out. Um, a team that knows something about uh, sneaking into the playoffs is the Portland Timbers. Sure. Who won uh, MLS Cup in 2015 doing just that thing. Um, and they are going to be traveling to Utah to face Real Salt Lake in the final Saturday game. This is going to be an interesting one uh, to end off the day's slate of games. Yeah. I mean, truly, I, I love the playoff brackets this season. I, I think that all of them are good. Um 
two teams that truly have just been all over the map this season, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, RSL, I think, has uh, a slightly better form than Portland. Um, not by a lot. But RSL has shown that they continue to just have that unpredictability factor and they score goals by committee. Um, that being said, like Portland on their day have been really good, but I believe they are going to be missing their, uh, they're going to be missing Brian Fernandez from this game, right? Through suspension. I believe you are correct. Yes. So that means that you've got Rosnak and Savarino and Krylak presumably all playing uh, against a Portland side that has struggled to connect goals. There's still question marks over Diego Valeri's future. Um, look, Portland, when they play great, look as good as any side in MLS, but we just haven't seen enough of that. I My prediction here is RSL wins this one, and I think there could be some good chaos here too because both teams have coughed up goals. So if there was going to be a 3-2 or a 4-3 this this one could be it, but I think RSL's gonna come out the the victors here. What do you think? I'll try and uh, um, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna try and come up with something spicy to counter this. Okay. Um, Portland has not really uh, Portland has not really had a uh, has had the advantage of, over RSL all season. So not only am I gonna pick them to win, I am gonna pick them to win with at least one goal by Laris uh, yeah. win two nothing. With both goals by Laris Mar- uh, Mabiala. Okay, I was so ready to disagree with you until you made your reason. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, without, with Fernandez, I think Portland could do it without him, maybe not. But that's a, a fair point. Like, who knows? Maybe the... I'm going to roll it back to one Mabiala goal. Let's be... Let's, let's be conservative. Uh, maybe the ghost here. of Caleb Porter will come back and score a goal. <laughs> Uh, I believe I believe he will be watching this game uh, in the land of the living. Um, the uh, the the Sunday matches mm-hmm. we have Philadelphia playing the New York Red Bulls. Yeah, um, I'm I'm gonna let you go first on this one because I'm the, you've talked a lot about the Red Bulls this season and made some really good points about them, um, and we've both talked a lot about Philadelphia. Both teams' recent form has been up down and sideways um wh- what do you think first of all just in terms of a game what do you think is going to happen and i also want to hear what your prediction for a result is first on this one it's wild to me to see here that uh that they have never faced in the playoffs yeah um this is this is two teams that that on paper seem very uh very equally matched in terms of they each took a win off each other this year um, their their series matchup here is at uh, at Union is each of them have six wins and each of them have twenty two goals in those six games. Wow! So their aggregate their aggregate uh, results at um, in Philadelphia. Um, I want to believe when it comes to New York, and I have wanted to for a while because I I've, I've really enjoyed them. Um, but it's just has seemed really tough for them to put it together. Mm-hmm. Um, and partially that is, you know, waiting for where probably like, like trying to see what's going to happen with 
with Bradley Wright Phillips, part of it is is that the chaos style hasn't necessarily have been so good for them. Yeah. Um. And as bad as Philadelphia's form has been recently, I am seeing I'm seeing questionable Casper Shabilko foot stress reaction mm-hmm. in this. That's a big problem. Yeah. Um. Because he's been he's got like 15 if, goals if, this season. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen with him, right? Um, but I think with some time to rest and some time to really focus themselves mentally and being at home, mm-hmm. you you have to think that this will be an opportunity for Philadelphia to get their first playoffs win. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I mean, definitely Shabilko's the, uh, a very important it factor there. Um, however, you know, Fabian has, has had, for the most part, uh, a fantastic season. Ilsenio's been a great super sub. He may not get the super sub role. He may be starting in this game. But I just also feel like defensively, even though there's been some shaky Philadelphia defensive performances, a lot of those have been like mistakes where things sort of break down in the midfield. I think if they can figure that one out, I, I just think overall, defensively, they're a much more solid team than the Red Bulls, which, granted, there's been some re- factors with, like, delayed flights and things like that, but we've seen Tim <laughs> Parker and Aaron Long make a, a lot of kind of boneheaded errors. I think, you know, obviously they'll be looking at all those things, but I still feel like Philadelphia defensively, is if they can shut down a, a Red Bull side that struggled to score goals sometimes, Philadelphia certainly hasn't and will find a way to win it. So I'd, what's your prediction for the scoreline on this one? Mm, Philadelphia 2-1. Okay, I'm going to say 2 nothing for them. Sorry, Red Bulls. Sorry, Red Bulls. That, last, last but certainly last. not least... Uh, oh my god, how do, how is this the last one of the set? Truly, that like that's what I'm saying. This is a great bracket. Um LA Galaxy versus Minnesota. Oh my. I was in our last show very negative about LA's chances because LA is a team with a garbage home record and LA or uh, uh, and Minnesota is a team also has a garbage away record. Or sorry, uh, LA has a garbage away record, and so does Minnesota. But Minnesota gets to play at home here. It's true. Um, it should be noted as well, I don't think Minnesota's ever beaten LA Galaxy. So, <laughs> like they, at all? Like, yeah. Um, so that's a problem. <laughs> that's a small problem. It's a small that's problem. Not, I <laughs> However, I would be more concerned about it if we were talking about Minnesota United of Era's past and uh, recently crowned for the second time in his career Defender of the Year Aiko Para, who's healthy, who's had a fantastic season yet again, to me is the difference maker here about United. Um, They've had a definitely more consistent season. They've had their problems for sure, but defensively, they've been recently much better and overall much better. LA Galaxy have been defensively awful from start to finish, top to bottom, and I fully expect that, of course, we'll probably see some Zlatan magic. Maybe he scores a hat trick. Recent form would suggest that may not even be enough. Like, Minnesota could still take this one 4-3. 
And I just feel like, is there enough team dynamic? Is there enough leadership within LA Galaxy to pull the entire team together and defend to beat Minnesota United? I just don't really feel like it's going to happen. If LA somehow figures out a way, I'm not going to be like incredibly surprised. I just feel like it's very unlikely at this point. Zlatan, who, who earlier this season uh, bemoaned the playoff format, saying that you know the big, the best team should win, and then of course LA slipped out of their very comfortable spot in the upper half of the Western Conference bracket to be visiting for this game. Um, now gets to make his mark in his first playoff game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the he has had an ability to to put a stamp on things. I see where you're coming from in, in terms of Galaxy is a team that'll have, that'll score three and, and concede four. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna say, but at the same time, narratively, narratively satisfying things happen to LA, and LA would go to play LAFC if they win this game. Mm. Yeah, they're like they. It, I don't really. I can't in any way say they would de- deserve to go ahead here, um, but but I don't know. It seems like the the wheels of the universe are turning. Uh, okay. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I see what you're saying. I'm gonna. I'm going to. I'm going to say that something I cannot predict will happen, <laughs> and and it will result in LA winning. Um. I so love that, like, it is entirely possible, and it would be amazing if LA Galaxy, like, wins MLS (laughs) Cup this year. (laughs) Like, that would... It would be the the most MLS thing, because everything we've said about LA Galaxy up to to that point would still be true, and yet they could still win it somehow. (laughs) Right, because LA is... LAFC is an, an almost unbeatable team. But LA Galaxy have shown the ability to do that. Oh, it's so funny. I um, I still really feel like Adrian Heath has has got his formula here with Minnesota United, and I think this is um, let's call this one three two. I I think that Minnesota can and will put a bunch of goals past LA Galaxy. Zlatan will do his thing and do his part, but I just think Minnesota is a better team here and have shown this season that they. Um, they have the more complete performances. They've also got the on-field leadership through Alonso. So, um, yeah, I feel like this is this has got to be Minnesota. Maybe people are just people are still getting off the flights. <laughs> it's true. Bef- before they start sniping on uh, before they start sniping on 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 Twitter. Um, the uh, the other league that just wrapped up. Mm-hmm is NWSL, which uh, experienced its 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 final four set of games and, and has now uh, got things sewn up. Um, with it started sort of with uh, North Carolina wrapping up their their shield winning season mm-hmm. with a three two win over uh, over Sky Blue FC, but I feel like this was a very interesting one for Sky Blue. Yeah, I mean, North Carolina certainly made it interesting for themselves. Not that the uh, the shield was in any real doubt, um, but certainly uh, left it left it kind of late to ensure this one. 
you you've got to see, I think, how good Jess McDonald is, um, who holds up the ball and is able to just sort of like like pick her spot to shoot on that first goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but one player who's been on the out, who is on the outside looking in of these playoffs and has been on the outside looking in in the the U.S. Women's National Team picture, Carly Lloyd, mm. um, got her uh, got I believe two goals to uh, to sort of chase at the champions' uh, heels. Mm-hmm. And that first goal that she scored was wild from distance. Yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic strike. That one. It's sort of like she is able. It's not on the volley, but she gets it onto the park and is able to just knock it home. Um, a, a team that's been oddly sort of struggling, or I mean, I guess a bit up and down, um, is the the rain who tied things up with Orlando. I've I've been liking the rain's form heading in, but this was this was an opportunity for them um, to duck. North Carolina, if they chose to do so, in, in in circumstances certainly would have, um, circumstances certainly um conspired to make that so. Mm-hmm. Um, because oh, I'm just looking for. Oh, I guess it was a draw, so they would have, they would have tied, but they beat Portland. I don't know what the tie were. I don't know what the tiebreaker would have been had they both ended up on forty points. Um, but they had that two-two draw against Orlando, which I think. I read this less a little bit on on the the form of Seattle um, as the this is an Orlando team uh, and specifically Marta trying to to sort of leave these playoff contenders with something to remember them by. Yeah, I mean, not enough to scrape Orlando off the bottom of the table with only sixteen points in the season, but it's a point. And it just goes to show that, like, you have to be able to dispatch the the teams that have been struggling um, towards as you're wrapping up the season because it's not a great thing, just mentality wise, to be going into the playoffs in a somewhat shaky position, having not been able to get maximum points out of a team that has mightily struggled and given up a mm-hmm. lot of goals all season long. You kind of see. Megan Rapino warming up in this. There was one where she took a long shot that would have been fantastic if it would have came in. And you have to remember that this is not there. She hasn't played very much for the rain this year. So, so it's possible that, that she could start hitting her stride very soon. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, the goal starts with uh, Rachel Hill steps around Casey Murphy to fire in the first goal. I loved. I can't remember if it was on this play or a later one that uh, that a player is complaining that maybe the goal should have been called a uh, Dan Laletta, who I've heard on some podcasts before, the Mix Zone, and uh, and is also a, a commentator and, and writer. Says better to play defense than play referee. <laughs> hey, true, <laughs> fair comment, <laughs> which I very much enjoyed. Um. You see here that Steph Catley finds Darian Jenkins for the goal. The the ball that uh, Catley sends in was is just so fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, to make that happen, uh, rain uh, just before halftime get another goal from Jody Taylor. Uh, but Marta sneaks this ball through the the penalty area on the ground on the floor of the penalty area. Mm-hmm. 
uh, to make it 2-2. Marta, Marta, Marta. Here's the thing, and, and, and I know that it is bad to not get maximum points against a team that you that is like a bottom of the table team. Mm-hmm. But what I look at that is what I look at this at is as as a test. Right? This is not a team this is this is for the rain, not a team that kind of took it easy in this last game. Mm-hmm. Um and and I I think that maybe that can can recommend them well. But but certainly it's an uphill it's a, it's an uphill climb to get anything off of um North Carolina. Especially when they stand to uh, they stand to to move into the final at home yeah. if they are yeah. successful. Yeah. Um, the the third NWSL game here, uh, Utah and Houston. I was about to say this about Orlando, but I I really feel this about Utah. Both of these teams are out of the playoffs, and I feel that Utah really wanted to stake its claim to. We have something special here. Mm-hmm. This is a good team that wants to have results and, and wants to succeed. Um, and they uh, they were able to get the result in this match and, and look pretty exciting doing it. Absolutely. And, I mean, as just sort of looking at the stats, too, um, like I saw the highlights from it, and it is a good, good result from them. Um, but, like, 60% possession, 551 passes, and 85% pass accuracy. That, that, those are good stats for a club building something. So although the game ultimately may not matter all that much, it matters in terms of putting something good together. And I, I agree. I think Utah's got the right ingredients here um, for things going forward. And, they, you know, they didn't crash out. They were four points off of a, a playoff. They're tied with Washington in points. They had a, a decent season. And this, this to me is like, this is how you want to go out. <laughs> if the end of your season doesn't really matter, but you you still want to make sure everybody's playing to their levels and you're doing what you've been good at. Um, the after getting a good uh, a good opportunity a minute into the game, they then are able to capitalize basically on two minute two and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. So they 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 put the pressure on heavy at the very beginning. Um, forcing a save from James Campbell, and Campbell, and then eventually, Kristen Press uh, starts. Uh, Kristen Press is found and is able to start moving before her defender. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, or wait, no, that's it's Press. That's that's the Amy Rodriguez goal. It's Rodriguez who's able to sort of oh right, um, yeah, 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 get free from the defender for uh, for the second goal for Utah in twenty three minutes. Houston does their best throughout the. Uh, uh, the remainder of the game, Sofia Huerta has a, uh, a ball that is dummied by Kalia Ojai and eventually scored by Christy Mewis. But, um, but it was it was uh, Utah on this occasion. I also really enjoyed the um, the cannon from distance by Sophie Schmidt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who uh, I wish I could who, kick a ball who like tried that. To make it... <laughs> I really, really wish I could make it happen. And then the last game here, I don't know that there's a lot to talk about because, you know, Portland managed to hold on to their three their third spot in the table, but they did so in 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 their in their uh send off match at Providence Park mm-hmm. in in perhaps a not a convincing manner, um with a zero zero draw against Washington. Yeah, and I mean the the thing that I was reading too is that They've actually offensively 
been creating more chances than they have all season. But the real problem, as we know in soccer, is if the ball doesn't go into the back of the net, then you're going to have a bad time. (laughs) And so for me, this causes a lot of worry going into the playoffs where uh, Portland has really, really struggled to score goals. And despite having a pretty good season overall, um, defensively, maybe not as much so, um, they scored a, a, whop, a bunch of goals early on, but have really struggled as of late. And you ha- you just have to have that change. Um, and it's frustrating and sort of worrisome that when you're creating chances, but they're not going in. However, it's better than not having possession and not creating chances. So uh, if there's a time for the Thorns to, to get back to business and really turn the gears on their opponents, it's certainly now. But it, it's got to cause some... Some worry, a little bit of sweat under the armpits of Thorns fans that, um, despite all that attacking prowess, they're, they're just not scoring goals. I think that the 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 Chicago Portland match is going to be that that's going to take place on Sunday, twentieth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's going to be a, a wildly entertaining one. Let's hope so. Um, we're gonna we're gonna see. I I would like to see goals from Portland, and if you see them. I mean that'll signal a turnaround, so so that could be good things. But there's also a lot to look at in terms of the power of of Sam Kerr and, and what many people are wondering if she will perhaps seek uh, European pastures after this season. Um, and and so this would kind of make her this this her last opportunity to put her stamp on stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll I think that'll be widely entertaining. People will also. Uh, It'll also be interesting to see Seattle, North Carolina, but that one is going to be a little bit more of a, you know, an against the odd situation. Mm-hmm. Whereas this this figures, I think, to be a little bit more of a of a straight up fight, or sorry, a stand up fight uh, between the two teams. Now, uh, if you are in Canada, you can watch the first semifinal: North Carolina Courage versus Rain FC on TSN three. At 1.30 p.m. Eastern. And then I think it's Eastern and not Atlantic, but it doesn't say on this page. Uh, 1.30 p.m. And then uh, Chicago versus Portland will take place at 3.30 p.m. Also on TSN3. Gonna be good. The uh, We are not yet done the Canadian Premier League. That's as right. As we continue to look at other... Uh, as we look at... Continue to look at other things that, are, that have taken place in this... This MLS this list weekend. Um, the big thing that I think a lot of people are looking forward to is uh, the Canadian Premier League final, mm-hmm. which we now know will will take place uh, between the Cavalry FC from Calgary and Forge FC from Hamilton. I'm looking up the. Spe- I'm trying to, to to place the specific dates of that, but. Um, we got one on Saturday the 26th at 12.30. That's the first leg for Forge and Cavalry. That's the first, that'll be the first leg. Um, Cavalry were the, the spring season champions. Um, Forge, I believe, sit two points above, if I'm if I'm uh, not mistaken. I think so. Uh, right. And they, they earned that position um, with a win over uh cavalry in hamilton 
They did. And I mean, this was a, a fairly tight game. It, it's certainly going to be interesting to see what happens in the final. Um, ca- um, sorry, F- Forge rather will be without one of their key defenders who got sent off in the 71st minute. So that Now what happens here? Do you think there was a little kick? Because the defender who took, takes the guy down is 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 down in the the attacker who gets fouled um is is throwing a, a fit on the ground and somebody starts yelling he kicked him i think maybe but i still think it's a red card for the defender <laughs> like right i mean sure uh, maybe something got missed there maybe i think it was probably a little bit more theatrics from both sides than anything truly deserving of a, a look in a red card um a, a spicy game that Forge was able to to hang on to the win, but uh, it was really off of kind of just uh, a quick play into the box where Cavalry was just not really paying attention and being sharp enough, and um, Forge was able, able to hammer it home. But you have to think the Cavalry has had such a strong dominant season um, are, are favorites to go ahead and, and take this one. But it's going to be a, a pretty spicy matchup. And you have to think, especially with this late uh, sort of drama in this game and a little bit of shoving, it should be a pretty physical match. Um, if you, do, you, uh, do you think if there is a chance that, uh, that Cavalry takes the fall championship as well, mm-hmm. um, how will you have felt this Apertura Closura thing has worked? Uh, I, I honestly, I haven't paid enough attention this season to Canada PL to, to really make an accurate call. It's certainly interesting. Um, given the number of teams, I think that it makes sense. Um, but I, I truly, Lord knows I weigh in on things when I don't know enough. And this is going to be one where I say, I don't know. (laughs) I've learned my lesson from last week. (laughs) We we've got uh, we've got three more games here for the KPL uh, on the KPL season. Um, all three will take place on Saturday. York Nine host Halifax HFX Wanderers. Cavalry host SC Edmonton, and Pacific host um, Valor SC. And Pacific have already um, uh, uh, fired their coach. Oh, when that happened. I think it was it might it may have been just today, but they have they have parted ways. No, one um, with with Michael Silberbauer. One little storyline that I was happy to see is uh, Marcel De Young, which of course we all remember from the, his Whitecaps days. Had a awful knee injury this season and has not played, but did play the full match this week. So it's great to see him back on the pitch and contributing. And um, that's great. He looked okay. Didn't wasn't enough to help his team win, but uh, I that side is only going to be better with him healthy and playing. Whitecaps fans only only wanted to see good things for Marcel and and I think that that he came into the league as looking like somebody that could be a star of it. So his unfortunate injury was like one of the big tragedies I think not just for the team but for the whole league. Absolutely. Um it should also be noted and... he's played an important leadership role off the field. He's been very involved with the team and with the community. So um, I, I, it's not been, it's not, none of his fault and he's been doing what he can in his absence on the field. I note here for some reason that the standings in the, in the KPL app are not up to date. Oh, 
helpful. Because uh, they're they they the everybody's on like ten points, and we're now just about done our done the the eighteen the eight. Or sorry, everybody's about on ten games. It's the first so year. What been... are you gonna do? <laughs> but this has been okay. So so this is the situation. Forge sits on thirty seven points. Calvary sits on thirty five points. If Calvary wins, uh, if Calgary beats up FC Edmonton, um, certainly, uh, certainly, I guess Edmonton put themselves in the situation of being spoilers mm-hmm. to a certain degree uh, against their Albertan rivals. If they can, if they can win, um, they will take both season shields, I guess. Ooh. But there's a game taking place at uh, there's a game taking place at. at Tim Hortons Field uh, that basically has sewn up the schedule anyways. So if, it's all good. If that game ends 2-2, is it a double-double? <laughs> had to, had to, had to. What else we got for news to, to wrap up? Each penalty each penalty is taken with a Timbit. <laughs> um... God, if only this needs to happen. This needs to happen. If you can't score in full time... If it goes to penalties, <laughs> the Timbits, for those of you who don't know, that's like the kids' leagues. The Timbits oh get to God. take penalties for side. Oh, yes. There. Yes, this is what I want. The script right. That makes sense. Until next week, where can we find you online? You can find me online on Twitter and the Instagram at That's So MLS. You can find this podcast at That's So MLS.com and on Apple Podcasts and wherever you uh, procure podcasts. Where can we find you? You can find me online on Twitter at Team Bates, www.team-bates.com. Um, and I'm an editor at Haller Magazine, whatahaller.com. Nice. Um, and uh, we're so close. We're so close. We're so close. It's happening. Um, and I'm sure. Okay. I'm, well, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to hit you to one more, one more um, prediction. Okay. Who is the first player in the MLS playoffs to receive a red card? Oh my god. Oh. It's got to be somebody on Portland, right? It's got to be a Portland player. Do you have a name for me? Uh, Chara? That's a good one. For me, Diego, you pick Diego Chara. I pick Zlatan Ibrahimovic. <laughs> Don't get sent off, everyone else. That would be amazing if he gets sent off in like the third minute of Galaxy's game. Especially if Galaxy somehow win without him. That would be great. That would be great. It's MLS. It could happen. It could happen. Beautiful. All right. I am-